Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. The people's praise focused on God. God came and said, I approve. I'm here. His glory filled the house. Corporately, one of the things that I believe why God has blessed this fellowship is because we're in unison. Doesn't mean we all think alike. We have all kinds of different ideas, but we're in unison. Imagine you're running a race. If you've ever run before, you know there's a point where extreme fatigue sets in. But when you persevere, you hit your stride. Many things are like that. There are low times, but there is always an underlying joy as you continue towards your goal. It should be like that for us as we live lives as followers of Christ. Believers will hit low points, but there's always a hope and joy present as we do His work now and look forward to the ultimate finish later. When you hit those downtimes, persevere. You can only move past the fatigue and pain by continually moving forward, getting stronger and more resilient every day. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1, for our continuing study entitled, God is a Hearing God. I don't believe in ever in spiritual retirement. The Bible never speaks about that. You see, if God's done with me, why would I want to be here? I'm going to heaven. But if he's not done with me, that means there's work for me to do. So the work that he has for you to do will never end. That doesn't mean you can't take a break from teaching and moving. What That doesn't mean it's just going to be things that God's going to use you to do. Now, along with that work, here's something else you need to remember. God will never be finished with me either. In fact, he's going to take me to heaven only by his grace. When I go, I'm still not conformed to his image. I got closer, but I'm not what I should be. But his grace takes me there. Okay? So, while he's working in me, that will never end. And also, while I'm here, that work for me will never end. So, I just put a couple things on for this. When Solomon started this building, he made this decision... And then he had discipline. And then it says in verse 1, he persevered and he finished it. It was seven years to build that. Now, that just means this. Spiritual maturity takes time. Relax. Now, let me just speak about a couple things. Since spiritual maturity takes time, and God's working in my life, That means the most intimate relationships I have, which have to be outside of God, if you're married tonight, has to be your marriage. Maturity in our marriage takes time. Satan is always after my marriage and your marriage. He wants to destroy it. He never, never, never gives up. Trying to destroy. 
That's the foundation of our world. So we have to remember, as we're maturing, our spouse is supposed to be maturing along with us. See, lots of people make a decision at the altar, but there's no determination. There's no perseverance. Till death do us part. That's the abnormal thing today. Now we're human. If you've been divorced, we understand that. God's grace is there, just like the rest of us that have failed in many areas. But don't forget that tonight. When you made a determination, when you made a decision and the determination to go on with your marriage, you need God's help to persevere because it gets tough sometimes. I love premarital counseling. All these people, you know, go through this chapter. Oh, that will never happen to us. I should really tape some of that. And when they come in for their first marriage problem, I no, I wouldn't do that. Turn with me to Matthew 7 quickly. Now, one of the things I think we have to be careful of is God uses his word. He uses circumstances. But he also uses people to mature us. I don't mind him too much. I really don't mind his word. But I don't like people helping me mature. Why are you laughing? Because you don't like it either. Because we have to admit we're what? Wrong. We have to admit we're wrong. So one of the things I want to encourage you, and I think this is very important, and some of you will use the excuse that you have the prophet as a gift or whatever. Forget it. You might have that, but here, listen to what I say. You and I need to spend more time working with God to mature ourselves then our eyes are always looking for somebody to help mature. If I deal with me and God, I have plenty of things to do. So my first focus should not be on you or others. Well, that's my gift, Pastor Mark. Use your gift somewhere else. I'll believe that's your gift. Now, let's see what we mean by that. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, that doesn't mean we don't judge people. We judge him in fruits. Let's go on. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus had great illustrations. You don't have to draw that. You don't have to. You just have to see a big log in an eye while you're trying to. I mean, it's incredible. It, it just it jumps right out. This is I, when I read that. I read big redwood. Ever been to California? Big redwood, and I'm after their little splinter in somebody else's eye. You see, this log that I believe Jesus is talking about here is a spirit of negativism, fault finding and super criticism. And if you come back and say, well, Pastor Mark, that's my gift, we'll take you to the saw factory and work on your log. Now, that doesn't mean we don't judge. We have to be careful who we place in ministry, who we do this, and all those kind of things. But I think we have to be very careful in our own lives that we're not super spiritual people always putting other people down. Getting the phone call or somebody coming, oh, here they are, whatever. They probably say that about us when we come. 
we're all maturing. Different rates, same God. He has great patience. Most of us do not. So we have to work with him. So with all of that, I think what Jesus is just saying is this. Be gentle, be helpful, be honest. New Christians, so mature Christian, you pay attention to your own spiritual growth rather than simply focusing on the weaknesses and failures of others. Now, if you're a new Christian here tonight, be encouraged. God is working in you. Don't get anxious. Just relax. It takes time. Look at us. How many have been saved over 10 years here? Let me see your hand. Well, look at us. Some of us five times that. Look at me. God's still working on me. So see, be patient. If you're a new believer, be encouraged. God's replacing that old sinful character. He's making fruit of the Spirit. It's coming. See, Solomon started and he finished. And let me just share one more thing with you. I'm not going to have time to go through all the rest of these, but let me just share one more thing. We're designed to do our work with joy. Our work that God's doing in me, you should be very joyful. Even though sometimes it hurts, you should be very joyful because God is a perfect clipper. He knows exactly how to make me look. Exactly. So he knows when to stop, give me a break, when to work some more. He just knows. Second, as he's working in your life, he's given you other things to do, which includes your work in the home, your work outside of the home, your employee, work with your children, work on your, all those things. We need to be doing it with joy. Look, look what Paul says. But none of these things move. He's talking about all the disasters in his life. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish. That's the perseverance. See, so he made a decision. Then he had determination all his life. Remember, one of his determination statements was this. I always beat my own body to keep it under. He didn't beat other people's bodies. He knew he could become a castaway. He didn't have that spiritual pride. He said, so that I might finish my race, not period, with joy. With joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Maybe you've lost your joy. Get it back. God's not through with you. He hasn't given up on you. You say, well, I failed too many times. Start again. He's gracious. He'll work with you. You say, well, the place where I work and the opportunity and the stuff that I do, I just, I can't stand it. If he hasn't moved you, you're there for a reason. Joy. <laughs> Joy. Will that require God? Oh, that will require God. Without a doubt. But that's the way you want to finish. See, for some of us, he probably would have moved us a long time ago. We don't have the joy yet. So he's teaching us something. You get the joy. By the way, any place you go to the new grass, always trouble later. Why? Because there's people there. Like you and like me. There's no perfect job. Notice one other thing. Our work, just write this up, our work always includes sharing the gospel. Notice what Paul says, to testify to the gospel of the grace, maybe want to circle that word, grace of God. So the work that we're to finish is never finished in sharing the gospel until 
we die. So be confident in God, finish our race. Now, back to Second Chronicles, chapter 5. So be encouraged tonight. Be filled with joy. Let God minister to you. It's a wonderful thing serving him. Finish our race. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 2. So the temple's done. Then Solomon summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes of the chief of the Israelite families, to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. David had brought the ark up to Jerusalem, put it in this little temporary tent. Now they're going to bring it in. That's the last thing they're going to move in to the sanctuary, to the, uh, the temple. And all the men of Israel came together to the king at the time of the festival in the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark in the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests, who were Levites, carried them up. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him went before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle, they could not be recorded and counted. So there was great worship again. Verse 7, the priest then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to the place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. So after seven years of being in this temporary place, finally, from the old city of David there, finally the, the ark is brought into the completed temple. Now the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and covered the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends extending from the ark could be seen in the front of the inner sanctuary, but not from inside the holy place. And they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in it at Oreb where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. Now you remember this ark contained the, the Ten Commandments that represented the covenant, and uh, four of them represented God in relationship to man to God, and then the other six relationship man to man. It would remind the nation of Israel of that Mosaic covenant that God had made. Now remember there was Aaron's rod that had been in it at one time, and also the pot of manna to show that God and perform miracles, and the pot of manna was there to show that God would always provide. They're not there. Nobody knows what happened. Most people think probably during the time that it was in the Philistines area that it got stolen. But the only thing that was left in there was the two tablets of stone. Verse 11, And the priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of division. All the Levites, who were musicians, that list all their names, stand on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen, playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. So the priests, can you imagine the sound of that? 120 trumpets playing. Awesome. The trumpeteers and singers joined, and here's a good thing, circleists, in unison, as with one voice, to give praise and thanks to God. Accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and the other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. So they said that all together in unison. Let's say that tonight. He is good, His love endures forever. One more time. He is good and His love endures forever. 
It was an awesome time. Because it was true. When that was finished, look what happened. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This was God's sign of approval. In the Old Testament, God's presence was often represented by a cloud. So when everything was in its proper place, including unity, the people's praise focused on God, God came and said, I approve. I'm here. His glory filled the house. Corporately, one of the things that I believe why God has blessed this fellowship is because we're in unison. Doesn't mean we all think alike. We have all kinds of different ideas. But we're in unison. We're here worshiping the same God. We have one goal that God's name be lifted up in this community. That's our goal. So when all of this was there, when there isn't a spirit of criticism, when there aren't people trying to do their own thing, God goes, I like it. I'm coming down. My presence will be there. And see, when his presence came, work stopped. It's time for worship. And the men worship. I think it's the same thing in our lives. When God occupies the rightful place in your life. And when he's in the center of your life, is he on the throne? Or are you on the throne? When he's in the rightful place in my life, things go right. Now, they may not be exactly what I want, but things go right. You see, seek you first the kingdom of God. Everything flows out of that. So, There has to be unity in your heart tonight. Maybe you don't even know the Lord yet. Well, there can't be any unity. There can't be any praise. Nothing will ever go right in your life. Because God's presence isn't there. But as a Christian, I have to keep coming back to confessing my sins. We'll see that in a moment. I have to keep coming back and getting God. It's so easy to put myself in the middle and want to rule everything. But God said, no, you put the ark where it needed to be. It's in the holies of holy. The priests have stepped back. I'm in the place I should be. You've dedicated it to me. You're all worshiping. You're in unity. My presence is here. My approval. I want God's approval in my life. To do that means that I have to be in the place that he wants me to be. And that's submitted to him. He has to be on the throne. Now let's move that to our marriages. If your marriage isn't pleasing to God, that means that probably... One of the spouses isn't where God wants them to be. Now, you might be in a mixed marriage. You can't do anything much about that, but you certainly can do something about your part. Just work on your part. You, you've been married one day, you can't, you know, you can't change your spouse. Maybe two. Newlyweds, maybe a week, but it's gonna come. Am I right? You can't change anybody else. I can't change you, but God can. And see, what God was trying to say there was that when things are in the proper place and there's unity and there's worship, His presence is there. That's an awesome thing. You see, sometimes inside our lives when there's struggles, the book of James says if, if we pray for wisdom when we went God's direction and we doubt it, then we're like a man tossed back and forth. 
Some of you here tonight have made a determination, a decision to serve God, but you haven't really followed through with it. And there's turmoil in your life. You know why? Because you're not serious about your walk with God. Somebody came to me, I won't even tell you how many weeks ago, and I felt in my spirit because I knew the individual. Give me all the disasters in their life. And I'm not usually like this, but I just said right to him, Guy, until you make a decision and a determination that you're going to serve God, you're never going to see anything change in your life. All the excuses came. I've heard them before. I heard them three years ago. Haven't seen them in a lot. All of a sudden, showed up again. Well, it's not going to change unless you allow God to do the work in it. See, he'll tie you down, but you have to allow it. Now, you can struggle free and move out. Go right ahead. You'll be back. And it's worse the next time. It just is. So what Solomon is trying to say is, this is awesome. I've done what God asked me to do. I I obeyed God. David did it right. I've done it right. The ark is there. Everything's in place. And what happens? The presence of God is there. We want to make sure in this body tonight that we have unity. We do. Maybe you're here tonight and you have kind of a critical spirit. You're a fusser. The joy is gone. Some of you, you're on the throne. You're the one ruling. You're in the control room. Nothing will go right in your life until you open it up and say to God, I want you, I want you to rule here in the inner part of me. I want you to rule. See, then it'll spill over to your will, mind, and emotions. Then it'll spill over to your body. And then all the rest of this will go right in your life. All the other circumstances will right themselves. But they will never be right until you and I are right here. You cannot expect things to be right in your life if you're breaking routinely the commandments of God. John chapter 15 says, My joy I give to you, and here's how I give it to you. If you obey my commands, you'll have my joy. If you don't obey them, your joy can't be full. So some of you tonight have made a decision, but you've never followed through with it. You need to recommit yourself. Some of you here are Christians, and you spend too much time focusing on other people rather than your own life. God spoke into your heart tonight. You didn't like the story about the big red tree, but it hit home right between the eyes. And you know why you lost your joy? Because you become a critical person. Remember, in the Holy of Holies was the ark, but on top of the ark was the mercy seat. I want joy. I want to be a man of grace. Yeah, I want to keep the law. I want to be a man of grace. I want my life to be pleasing. He's not through with you. He's not through with me. And he's gracious. Some of you, God's tied down the last few weeks. You've been fussing. Relax. The trim will be wonderful. Let him have his way. Some of you got off the table. You need to get back on it. In today's message, we were asked to consider how we perceive our lives and the way we live them for the Lord. As Pastor Mark reminded us, we never really retire from service to God. We must be continually maturing and spreading the gospel of Jesus. 
When we do that, we can, as Paul said, finish the race with joy. As we learned, when we're walking in obedience to Him, we'll see only good come from it. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark teaches from chapters 6 and 7 of the book of 2 Chronicles. Solomon will acknowledge everything the Lord has done for Israel and how he kept his promises to the people. Solomon will set a godly example to the people through his prayer and worship of God. The people will listen to a prayer of humility, awe, and amazement at the wondrous power of God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.